Welcome to Hope Through Hard Stuff, a podcast from Winning at Home. Please welcome your host, speaker, and award-winning author, Steve Norman. Welcome back to Hope Through Hard Stuff. I'm Steve Norman, and I am immensely privileged to have as our guest today, Stephanie Wittavine, who is a therapist here at Winning at Home. Stephanie, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for the invitation. It's good to have you. Now, you're uniquely equipped through your personal story and through your practice to help us discuss a really sensitive but really crucial topic, and that's infertility and pregnancy loss. Talk to us about why this issue matters. It's such an important thing for us to talk about, uh, mostly because it's so common. Infertility and pregnancy loss, I would say, are talked about very little because, uh, first of all, it's really difficult to talk about. It's a really painful or sad thing to bring up and talk about with people. But a lot of people feel very isolated as they go through it, and there are so many people who are uh, walking this journey. So um, infertility itself, um, which we would consider the inability to get pregnant after a year of trying, um, and that affects about one in every five women. Um, And then about, we would say, 35 to 45% of all pregnancies actually end in miscarriage. So we'd be talking about one out of every two to three pregnancies. It's incredibly heartbreaking, and I think that what many couples maybe don't understand, especially who are new to this journey or experiencing this heartache for the first time, don't know that they're not alone. Yes. That it's not a club that anybody asks to be in. Right. But when we can trust others with our hurt, we can know that we don't have to reach very far to find out that there are other people who are walking this path and others who have walked it before us. Exactly. Yes. That's part of your story as well. Yeah. Share as much or as little as you feel yeah, comfortable. Yeah, I'd love to. Rob and I, Rob's my husband, we were able to start our family actually quite easily, really when we wanted to. Our son Anderson was born in 2014 after, honestly, a really smooth and almost textbook pregnancy. Like, it just okay. went beautifully. And I actually remember uh, when we had him, even when we were pregnant with him, that I felt so relieved. <laughs> I think I actually said, we're fertile. Like, I'm so glad because it, it mattered a lot to me to be able to have a family. And so um, I just thought we wouldn't have issues with this. Like, we're going to be able to have children kind of when we want. We have a plan for what we want our family to look like, and we're going to be able to do this um, kind of how and when we want to. But as it turned out, I have actually had five pregnancies, and I have only two children with me here on Earth. We lost three babies in less than a year, even just to say that in one statement. Like, each one of those losses has its own unique story, holds so much grief and pain with each and every one, and... It was just an intense emotional and physical pain that I went through, that we went through together. One thing I remember specifically going through each one of those miscarriages is I remember thinking how cruel it seemed that my body was having to feel such intense pain in the process of ridding itself of a baby Mm -hmm. that I desperately wanted to keep. And it is such a heartbreaking experience as you can imagine too with each consecutive pregnancy the anxiety just built and built and built just tremendous anxiety um, each following pregnancy with thinking about will this one make it Um, how far will i get this time so after um, we had three in a row um, our third miscarriage we finally ended up pursuing answers kind of went the medical route and 
figured maybe there's a pattern here. Maybe there's a reason that we keep losing these babies. And honestly, we really didn't get answers. Um, We were left with a lot of unanswered questions. And so as we were pursuing some of those answers, then even as we started trying again after that third miscarriage, we actually entered a season of infertility. So some people may not realize that you can actually experience what's called secondary infertility. So a primary infertility is someone who has never been able to achieve a pregnancy. Secondary infertility, which we experienced, um, is actually not being able to get pregnant after having successful pregnancy in the past. So even if I was successfully able to have a son, um, all of a sudden we went in a season where we just could not get pregnant. And um, in fact, we, we tried and tried. We, you know, tried to make it happen. We were doing, you know, some different regiments with even doctor's oversight. And it became so all-consuming. Um, I would say that's a reality for many people who go through infertility is that it's something you think about all the time. And that was really, really true for us. And so we were going through that month after month after month and finally got to a point where we realized that we were holding this grasping for control of our own plan for our family and we realized that god was calling us to a total surrender and we had to completely surrender our future family to him and to his plan and just place it totally in his hands and so we kind of took a step back um, from all the things that we were trying and from trying to control this, trying to make it happen ourselves. And only a couple months after we had kind of stepped back from that, we actually received a very specific promise from God um, through another person that we were going to have another child within a year. And Matthias was born 11 months later. Talk to us about that because... I come from a spiritual tradition where people like to give words of encouragement, but I also have a healthy degree of skepticism. So yes. what what do you what do you do? Like talk a little bit more about that specific incident. How did it feel to receive that and how did you know it was valid? Yes. Honestly, by the grace of God, okay. I was able to receive that because I agree. I I don't typically just hear words from God through other people all the time. You know, God has a word for you and he wants to say this. And yet, um, thankfully, the person who God used to speak that promise to us uh, was very clear that she was taking very seriously how huge of a thing she was saying. (laughs) So she didn't take it lightly either. And so, like I said, just by God's grace, I received that. Um, I was actually... um, not with my husband at the time. So I, I rushed home at the end of the day and told him, and amazingly, he had the same response. And he just said, this is, this is from God. Like, we just have to receive that and believe that. And, uh, it it was just so personal to us. And, and even there was so much kindness in, uh, the word that God gave to this person to give to me as well, where, Um, Not only did she say to me, God wants you to know you're going to have a child within a year, but she also said um, he wants you to know, too, that there's nothing you have to do to make this happen. He's he's just going to do this for you. And so we were just able to take a breath and relax in God's perfect plan and in his promise. And we just claimed that he would be true to his promise. 
And scripture is replete with those promises. Yes. For yes. God to speak to Elizabeth and say, you're going to have a son. And yes. to tell her husband, you're going to name him John. And yes. For God to come to Samson's wife and say, you're going to have a son. And to yeah. come to Hannah, Samuel's mother. So we have this trend yep. in scripture that says God hears those longings and that desire for yes. family. Yes. And God's desire is to build family. And it doesn't always come through the mechanisms or on the timeline that we choose. Right. But, but I think it is okay for us to pray, God, you're, you're a God who desires to create units that are built on intimacy yes. and nurture and comfort and mission. Yeah. And some of those are biological on different timelines and yep. some of them aren't. Yes. And it's just so critical and so life-giving for us to be able to say, okay, God can, God will, yes, God does. Yeah. Can we hold the process with open hands rather mm-hmm. than like white knuckling it? Exactly. And for you, was there a tipping point from when you went from kind of grasping and striving to to release? For us, it actually was kind of a, I don't know if you want to say a moment or a point in time where God aligned Rob's heart and my heart kind of at the same time to say enough is enough. We, we are trying so hard to make this happen, to make our plan come to fruition. And, and it really was a point where we said, God just convicted both of us and really kind of grabbed hold of our hearts at, at the same time. And and I fully recognize that, you know, my story is different from everybody else's story, right? So every story of infertility is different. Every story of miscarriage is different. So not everyone receives a, a specific promise from God. And, and of course, I'm grateful for that. Um, but either way, God's desire for us to he wants to bless us. He wants what is good for us. And so when we can rest in his goodness, when we can rest in his promises and in his plan, we can realize that his plan is actually better for our family than what we had come up with ourselves. So good to hear you say that, Stephanie. Even this morning, I was reading Romans chapter five, where Paul says, hey, I want to, I want you to be people who glory in your sufferings. Because suffering produces perseverance, yes. perseverance, character, and character, hope. Yeah. I was like, I don't want to glory in my sufferings. I want to bypass my sufferings. Right. I want to accelerate through the sufferings. But whatever we learn in that season is always a gift for a future season. Right. Like whatever perseverance we, we learn now in this year will, will only serve us well into the future. So yeah. I'm so grateful that you said Sometimes God has you in a season, not because he's trying to torture you or withhold from you, but there's a gift that God wants to hide in that season that we might not have eyes to see as it's happening. But when we look in the rearview mirror, we're like, well, of course God did it that way. What other way would God have done? Yes. Yes. And I can say that even now for our youngest, now with Matthias, he, after he was born and now seeing who he is and the age difference between our boys, uh, I just say so often, like God had such a perfect plan and he knew who Matthias was going to be. He knew the timing of when he'd be born. He knew the age difference and how that would affect the relationship between my two kids. And so I can see so much clearer now, right? Just how, how beautiful God's plan has been all along. That's incredible. Stephanie, talk a little bit about what you would say to couples who are currently in this journey? Because I imagine that there are some who would be like, well, Stephanie, that's great for you. That's not where we are. Right. Yes. What do you say to them? Yeah. So lots of things I could say uh, really to, to individuals and to couples who are going through this. 
first of all, I think it's important for me to normalize the difficulty of this experience, right? And as I said, even for my own story, that it's so painful and it's so heartbreaking. And sometimes people don't want to or or maybe can't um, acknowledge how painful uh, a season of infertility or a miscarriage is uh, that they'll say well I didn't like have a child and then lost the child so um, how can I grieve that child that's that's really hard to do Um, honestly my I would say my doctor was actually really helpful with normalizing this experience for me Um, after each and every miscarriage he reminded me of the statistics and just like kept saying remember this happens it happens unfortunately really often and he made it abundantly clear that miscarriages sometimes just happen and that they were not my fault and that's a really important point I think for anyone who's experiencing that there was nothing that I could have done to cause those miscarriages and there was nothing I could have done to prevent them. And so I was so grateful to have a doctor who was really good at reminding me of the truth and also just uh, acknowledging though how, how big and painful of an experience this was. It's important to note that trauma is a part of the pregnancy loss and infertility experience. Uh, There's physical trauma that comes with that. There's emotional trauma that comes with that. So you can experience things like flashbacks or having nightmares or um, kind of feeling triggered or um, major avoidance, avoiding certain things or certain experiences. And so um, it's important for people to know that trauma is a part of it. And so this is a big deal and we need to normalize how hard it really is so that people know that they're not alone in how awful it feels for them. Because of that too, I think um, one of the most important things for me to say is that we just have to surround ourselves with truth as we walk through those hard times, whether that's through scripture, books that we read, music, um, even from other people. There are uh, so many lies that we can so easily buy into. Um, a huge one, especially through infertility and miscarriage, is that it's just so unfair, right? This is so unfair that I'm going through this or that almost the sense that God works in quid pro quo terms where like if I if I've been seeking you God if I've been living for you if I have a really good desire in my heart I think to want to have a family why would you not do this for me right Right? or feeling like he almost owes me something and the truth is God never owed me a baby and he doesn't owe us anything and I haven't earned the right to have anything that I want and so I think the evil one wants to take things that are true and twist them and and get us to believe something that is is quite believable for us, but really isn't true about God or about ourselves. So we have to use um, sources of truth, like scripture in particular, um, going to prayer, using worship as a lifeline, the, the words that others have written in songs to help us to declare what really is true especially in scripture, I loved turning to the honesty of the Psalms because there is so much high and low in the Psalms, right? There's the mountaintop experiences and the praising God, and there's just the crying out, calling out, asking questions in the Psalms. And so just being able to go there um, and use, you know, David's words um, sometimes as our own was huge. Even just there was a book that I remember just absolutely appreciating so much while I was going through it. 
called You'll Get Through This by Max Licato. Honestly, it's great for anybody who's going through any difficult season. But for me in particular, in that those seasons of miscarriages especially, I was reminded so much of the truth that God allows pain, but that he never wastes our pain. And so I knew that somewhere, somehow, he would take the pain that I was feeling and he would use it for both my good and for his glory. I even, you know, songs were huge for me. We would almost, Rob and I would use certain songs as like our anthems. And there are even certain songs now that uh, when I hear them on the radio or on a playlist, and uh, they just bring me right back to those moments and those experiences, but in a good way, like of remembering how God was ministering to me during those times. So uh, there's a song, Thy Will by Hilary Scott, uh, which she actually even wrote in her own season of pregnancy loss. And so it speaks so directly to the heart of um, the pain of where you are with pregnancy loss, but also claiming your will be done in all of this. And um, the song Do It Again by Elevation Worship, that was huge for us actually kind of in the, um, after that third miscarriage. Um, So just certain songs that we just would cling to and play on repeat over and over, just crank it up in our house uh, because it would help us to, to cling to truth. So good. You and I had had a conversation earlier about how men are affected uniquely in these sets of circumstances. So yes. unfortunately, I've had two friends or acquaintances just in the last four months say we had a pregnancy loss. It's devastating for me, but it's devastating in a way that, that is very unique from how it has been for my wife. What do you say to husbands who are trying to figure out how to hold their own pain and then also walk with their wives through theirs. Yeah, absolutely. First of all, even for the marriage relationship as a whole, it's so important to pay attention to to the marriage itself. Miscarriage and infertility are incredibly strenuous on a marriage. And so it is really important to learn how to grieve together, but to grieve differently. Because we know that husbands and wives often will grieve differently from each other. And they're, first of all, they're just two different people. Okay. And secondly, especially with um, infertility and pregnancy loss, we're talking a lot about um, a female's body, right? We're talking a lot about the, what the wife is experiencing even physically. And so it is a very different experience for both of them. And it's important to normalize that and say that that's okay, that it's different. So for husbands in particular, I would say, um, first of all, it's important to make sure that you're attending to yourself as well as to your wife. So we have to um, make sure that we remind those husbands that this grief is theirs too, even if they don't experience it to the same degree or in the same way that their wives do. Um, we We don't want those husbands to ignore their own heartache, even if it feels different from his wife's heartache. And we don't want husbands to have to expect that it's going to look the same way. So sometimes we'll see with husbands that they might experience what we would call like a complicated or delayed grief in husbands who have not taken the time to pay attention to their own disappointment and their own pain um, because they've been so attuned to what their wife is going through and trying to be there for him and be the for her and to be the rock and to just provide for her needs. But if the husband isn't taking the time to just acknowledge for himself, what does this mean for me as a husband? What does this mean for me as um, a man who wanted to be a father? And 
and it, it's just going to take some some of his own work to pay attention to that. Um, it's important for him to find someone else that he can talk to other than his wife about what he's going through. Um, you know, whether that's a pastor, a close friend, uh, a family member, but somebody that he can be really honest with and uh, you know share his unique pain as the husband in this situation. You know, a couple things that he can do not just for himself, but then for his wife to to be there for her and support her would be, um, it's huge for the husband to provide some consistency and some steadiness for her. Remember that couple is going through infertility and or pregnancy loss. There can be uh, tremendous um, hormone shifts for the wife. Um, She can feel like she's all over the place. Um, both emotionally and physically, um, that can happen with you know pregnancy and then a loss that you'll get surges and crashes of hormones, and even with um, going through different protocols or medications when um, you're being treated for infertility, um, and those affect a wife's body a lot and affects her hormone levels, and so she can just feel so all over the place. It feels like a roller coaster, and so um, for him to be able to just provide some consistency and steadiness, just I'm I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. Um, and I'm willing to listen and I'm willing to talk about it. And even just thoughtfulness, like just listen to what she has to say, bring her a tissue, try like daily or weekly check-ins with each other to, and even with, with yourself too, right? For the husband to say like, okay, where am I at today? Or how am I doing this week? Um, last week felt really tough. How about this week? How am I doing? And just um, helping your wife to feel like she's not going through this alone, um, even if your experiences are different. Okay, so another thing um, for couples who are experiencing either infertility or pregnancy loss, um, along with surrounding yourself with truth, um, I would say actually like practicing your faith. And by that, I mean so important to intentionally run to your Heavenly Father um, to go to him even when you're angry and even when you don't understand. Um, This was so important for us where I felt like if I could practice some gratitude and actually watch for where God would show up, um, if I looked for evidence of his kindness, I would find it, right? In psychology, we have this idea of um, confirmation bias where we say we, we find what we look for, and this is true just for our brains. So I knew that if I kept looking for evidence of the unfairness of our experience, that I would find it because I was looking for it. If I kept looking for evidence of God's goodness and kindness, I would find it. This was really evident to me in a couple um, particular ways, but one that I would love to mention is how I really saw the truth of um, God being the God who sees me. And that was so cool for me in, in a very particular way that I was powerfully reminded of after my second miscarriage when I found out that God truly did see me and cared about what I was going through. He had prompted a friend of mine to basically pray for me throughout the entire day that I was actually physically miscarrying that second time. And she had no idea what was going on. She didn't even know I was pregnant at the time. And she told me later after she found out what was going on, she said, Stephanie, I, this is crazy, but God like specifically told me that day um, that I needed to pray over you and I needed just to keep praying for you throughout that whole day. And as she shared that with me, I just remember 
first of all, just crying and <laughs> just thinking, he really cares. He really sees me. Not only is God caring for me like directly, but he's using his people to yeah. come alongside me and to lift me up and to pray for me. And I think it's so cool, um, the story in Genesis where um, Hagar, who is a part of a major fertility story regarding Abraham and Sarah, Hagar, um, I've heard, is the only person in the Hebrew Bible who actually gave God a name. And the name she gave him was El Roy, which means the God who sees me. And I just, that came to me so clearly in that moment that God actually sees me. And that's true for every single person who's listening, that God sees you, he sees your heartache. And if I can keep reminding myself of those things and practicing my faith, saying, I know God sees me, I know God sees me. Even I had mentioned before, you know, using songs, I think the power of worshiping in our pain is just so huge, how we can declare God's goodness and faithfulness with our mouths and with our bodies, and that actually helps our minds and our hearts to follow that. So like belief and feeling often will actually follow behavior. So I get my mouth and my body to proclaim his goodness, and then it will help me to actually believe that and to even feel um, that he is good. It's probably true for so many of us that we, we see that our faith grows a ton as we draw nearer to God when we face trials and pain. And so this is super true for infertility and pregnancy loss that we become really desperate for peace and for, you know, an answer or a place to land. And so we just we want something that that goes beyond understanding because we don't understand what's going on to actually seek that to practice that faith that brings us to a point where that we realize that god is who he says that he is and that he sees far beyond what we can see that he has good plans for us and for our families and even plans that are so much better than what we could come up with ourselves You know, another piece, too, that I'd encourage people in is um, just as I was telling the story of my friend who was praying over us, it's so important not to isolate yourself. And so, yeah, this goes for couples. It goes for the individual as well. Um, But just don't go through it alone. Call upon your support system. Um, Find the people in your life who you're willing to share with. Um, This can be this can feel like a very private experience um, and it's very personal. So depending on you know, your level of comfort or who you feel like you can share that with. It's just so important, though, to find somebody, find people to surround yourself with, because it is such an isolating and a lonely experience. Truly, God extends his hand of comfort through his people. And so allow people to do that for you. Like, don't completely isolate. And even in that, as people do seek to be there for you, Um, Be careful about your expectations of others and how they care for you. A lot of people don't necessarily know exactly how um, to support somebody who's going through um, infertility or pregnancy loss. Just be careful to, we don't want to expect, especially like particular things or particular ways that someone will care for us. But just open yourself up, though, to the possibility of having people surround you. And then too, like for wives in particular, I would say because infertility and pregnancy loss are such a physically difficult um, thing to go through as well, it's really important that she learns to be kind to to her body, you know, even just in how she talks to it, like her self-talk, what you say about your body, how you think about it, how you treat it. We can feel really betrayed by our own body um, when we go through this as women, even dealing with feelings of shame that we just cannot seem to be able to do what a woman supposedly should be able to do. Again, being really intentional about 
speaking to your body kindly and thinking about your body in kind ways. Reflect on the things that your body actually can do for you. And together for the couple, just keep maintaining that team mentality that, you know, blame, you know, if you, especially if you are aware that maybe um, the issue with infertility might kind of lie either with the husband's body or with the wife's body, but be so careful not to fall into um, that blame game because it just doesn't facilitate healing or help at all. So just keep helping each other to stay hopeful and positive without being unrealistic, of course. Um, Just stay realistic, but staying positive. And then one of the last points for couples would be just not letting your desire for children become all-consuming. Because as I mentioned with my own story, um, especially in that infertility season, it becomes just your entire life. You think about it all the time. You almost feel like you're living your life in cycles. (laughs) It's just like with every cycle, you're just, you're constantly thinking about when you have to take a certain medication, what day you're on, um, when you might be ovulating, when you can take a pregnancy test, and you just think about it all the time. And so the appointments, the regimen of the medication, the scheduled sex, the counting days, it just consumes your life. And so we can also feel like everyone else is having babies. You know, it's we look around us and it it starts to feel like it's just all around you. You can't get away from it. Everywhere you look, there's babies everywhere. And you're, you know, seeing birth announcements and pregnancy announcements. And so, you know, I remember so much like watching baptisms through tears at church and and just feeling like, oh, this happens for everybody else. It's so important to balance that time to share and talk and grieve and focus on what you're going through versus Um, intentionally making time to have fun on purpose. Like you have to step away sometimes and do something together that is fun, that brings life back, even actually taking a break if needed. Again, this is different for everyone, but some people might actually need to step away for a while from, you know, any of the the regiment that they've been on um, to try to conceive or, you know, it just, we, we sometimes need to step away for a little bit. And lastly, I mean, talk to a counselor. If you Um, are walking through anything related to these issues. I'm a counselor and I talked to my own counselor when I went through this because it is just such a huge, complicated sort of grief. You know, there's lots of issues that can come up through it. So if we can just go and talk to somebody who can be helpful, I would highly encourage that. Stephanie, talk to us about how friends and family can come alongside couples who are trying to figure all this out. Yes. So, yeah, as I mentioned, a lot of people like they care and they want to care for people who are going through infertility and pregnancy loss, but they just don't know how. And so, first of all, I'd say you might not know that someone is walking this road. Like I said, there are tons of people who are experiencing either infertility or pregnancy loss. Just be careful um, about questions about fertility. So many people like to ask, you know, when are you going to have kids? Or even how many kids do you have can even turn into a complicated complicated question, right? Like, well, how many I have on earth is, you know, this many? Just think twice. You know, it's not that we can't ask, but just think twice before you ask questions of other people about fertility. And then if you are aware that somebody is going through this, then um, if you don't know what to say, I would actually encourage people to ask the person if they want to talk about it. I think so often people just assume. They assume that either you know, they must want to talk about it because it's such a major thing or that they won't want to talk about it because the other person just might not bring it up. And I would say instead, just don't assume, just ask, just say, 
I know that you're going through this. Do you want to talk about it? Or anytime that you do want to talk, I'm here to listen. And truly just like, listen, it is okay to bring it up. It's okay to sit, like acknowledge, like say that, you know, that they're going through it because like I said, they're probably already thinking about it. It's so all consuming that they're already thinking about it. So it's okay to talk about. And if you can relate to their experience, be careful not to overshare about your own journey. Uh, Like I said, if it's so common, Um, If so many people go through this, it is easy to want to jump into your own story. Like, oh, you know, well, I went through that. And um, and when somebody is going through this themselves, um, it's helpful to keep it about them and just to make sure that we're paying attention to their experience and what they're going through. Um, We don't want to just assume that we completely understand what they're going through. And especially don't say it like just don't say, oh, I totally understand because like I said, every situation is different. So we wanna um, be open to asking about it, to talking about it, and mostly to listening um, to them talk about it. And remembering that people do handle the privacy of their infertility and pregnancy loss differently. And so that's okay, just follow their lead. I would also just say, you know, maybe some ideas of ways to help in any times of grief are helpful in these circumstances as well. So things like, first of all, recognizing the loss is significant. This is a a significant form of grief and thing to grieve over. Treat it like, like it's significant. You know, don't treat it like a really small thing. Just showing up, bringing flowers, meals, give hugs, send texts and cards. Something that could be a really cool idea is to note the date of their loss. Like Mm -hmm. when did they actually experience that loss or even the would be due date, you know, that they were looking ahead to um, and just write it on your calendar or put it in your phone and um, just acknowledge it with them and pray for them as they go through those days. Um, Because again, they, that's going to be really on their minds as they're going through it. Um, So note those important dates, even thoughtful gifts like an ornament or a quilt or a plant in their memory. Um, I actually still have two orchid plants on my kitchen windowsill that came from just really kind friends that just still remind me of how people showed up in our times of grief. And so just, you know, think of something to do and show up and be a support. And then lastly, I would say, um, learn the art of mourning with those who mourn and rejoicing with those who rejoice. When we walk alongside friends who are going through similar but different things, it can be just a really powerful expression of God's love for us to show up in each other's lives right where we're at. And I still just remember so vividly sitting at a coffee shop with a friend who was still walking her long road of infertility while I was eight months pregnant with Matthias. And I was kind of coming out of that season of pain and hardship, and she was still very much in it. And yet in that very you know same coffee date, she was celebrating with me and I was grieving with her. And we did that together. Um, And it was such a a beautiful example of just practicing that art of just mourning with each other and celebrating with each other. So good. Thank you so much for for that encouragement. I think that's timely and very practical. Yeah. Stephanie, any last word of encouragement or inspiration or challenge to people who are walking this road? I would just say, just please remember that God has a beautiful plan already written for your family. So lean into him. He is the God who sees you and he knows you and he loves you. That's been really true in my life and I can testify to that. And so I know it's true for each person who's listening. 
um, that God sees you and his plan is beautiful and perfect for you. Thanks so much for your time today, Stephanie. I know your words have been an encouragement to me and look forward to hearing how your story is going to uh, uplift and inspire others down the road. Thank you. You've been listening to Hope Through Hard Stuff. Thanks so much for listening. We look forward to catching you next time. Thanks for listening to Hope Through the Hard Stuff. If you liked what you heard, please remember to subscribe to it, rate and review it, and then share it with others. Winning at Home offers hope through counseling and coaching, motivational speaking, community events, and other media resources. If you believe in what we do and want to support us in our mission, consider making a donation at winningathome.com.